1992, I had the good fortune to meet Joe Adams at the Guggenheim Museum in New York City. Joe ran the art handling crew, and I was thrilled to be part of it. Mr. Adams is an artist with a BFA from the University of Georgia and an MFA from LSU. He managed up to 40 freelance installers per show, meeting all the deadlines while keeping the spirits high among all of us. I was inspired and I learned a lot from the work environment Joe created. So I decided not to wait another 20 years to reconnect with my friend Joe. Larry. Hey, how's it going? (laughs) Good. How are you, sir? Good, good, good. Thanks for agreeing to be on my podcast, Mr. Adams. My pleasure. Anything to help the cultural dynamic of the classic city. (laughs) Thanks, buddy. Um, sure. Listen, what uh, what was your first job? My first job in in the when I moved like, to New York, or, or hmm. first or first job job. Yeah, first job job. So I can see the contrast between the. Uh, I I grew up in a pretty authoritarian household, mm-hmm. so if I wanted money. I had to earn it. Okay. And so my first job job was going door to door begging people to let me mow their yard. Ah. And in the seventies, when this was going on, early late sixties, mm-hmm. early seventies, that was not considered unusual. That was so, pretty common. Yeah, yeah. And it was yeah. a push mower. It wasn't like people have riding mowers everywhere these days. Yeah. I I have an acre at my current place uh-huh. and it's a push mower. Dude, yeah. Yeah, that's a lot. And I'm, but I'm six three and wear a thirty two slacks. So, okay. and I'm dating myself by using the term slacks. Slacks, but, right? <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I'm all about the push mower. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. We just got a little electric one, which is really awesome. Oh no, 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 no. I okay. saw that on Facebook. Yeah. Actually, I already knew that. Yeah. Which is one of the creepier things about Facebook is, you know, I post all kinds of stuff so everybody knows my business you were asking me about jobs yeah yeah i'd always like 99 percent of the people that i met in new york Mm -hmm. you know i was much more of a hustler Mm -hmm. than my siblings or my friends you know i was like i want to try to you know i want to make it in new york city Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Make something and uh, uh-huh. yeah, and no regrets, man, because I had a blast. I got my ass stomped, mm-hmm. and uh, and then lived to tell about it. And uh, ultimately, it worked out really great. I think it was uh, the best postgraduate work I could have ever done. <laughs> yeah, I, I I agree with that uh, assessment. But I didn't follow your path exactly. I what? Let's see. I know you ended up. You worked at Dia. Well, it, I, when I moved to New York, yeah. I I did some freelance art installation where, and I was way over my head trying to do what I did at an art gallery in the East Village. This was at the the peak of uh-huh. the '80s East Village rage, and uh-huh. so I did some stuff for a couple of those galleries, uh-huh. and then and then. That made me meet some people who hired me to work in other places, and then all of a sudden, I worked uh, initially from working for Sharp Gallery. I did some work for a couple of other galleries, and then worked for Dia, uh-huh. where I 
worked for a guy named Robert Croker, Robert who Croker, was a yeah. who is a former University of Georgia art professor and longtime New York City uh, preparator, art handling guru, as yeah. well as a heck of a okay. painter. Cool. And yeah. I worked for him at DIA for okay. a year, mm-hmm. packing up their location as they prepared to shut down everything to to uh, gear up for Beacon. Ah, and so this was you helped move them to Beacon Street. Well, I didn't help move them to Beacon. Hmm. I, I helped just pack up their collection to get everything out of the uh, uh, warehouse in Chelsea so that they could redo it. Oh, okay. As, as a first step. But, uh, yeah, and so in the course of that, I got to meet a whole bunch of people and artists and do some really cool stuff over the course of a year. Mm-hmm. Plus, I got the baptism by fire that is working for Robert Croker. Ah. Um, <laughs> so what was that like then? I, I did not experience that. Um, I think it's probably like working for me. <laughs> well, you know, wasn't too, a, that wasn't so bad. He's an he's a, he's a over, over-informed polymath mm-hmm. and a yakaholic. Okay. And that's how okay. I, I would describe <laughs> myself, too. So, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, it's, uh, uh, we are both red of the neck, but mm-hmm. in different ways. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that well, that was uh, a, a treat for me when I ended up when I finally, when I got my job at the Guggenheim. I was like super thrilled to join your crew, but it was also it amused me that the guy in charge was was you, some dude from the south. You know, one of your people. Yeah, one of my people. Once somebody, you know, I was like this, you know. You know, I was kind of like, you know, thought I would be with, you know, New Yorker people. But it it really became a, it was a place with people from all over. All <laughs> over. Yeah. I got to say, yeah. And for me, it's like dealing with people who were from the Northeast, especially mm-hmm. New England, was mm-hmm. a total mind blower. Because mm-hmm. they were just like me, mm-hmm. yet not at all. It's mm-hmm. really... Yeah, it definitely was an education on how uh, myopic and uninformed I was. Sure, sure. But oh. uh, so you can't hear the static stuff. No. And yes. Hello. Hey. Okay. Okay, that's good. That's good. Yay. Yay. Good deal. Good deal. All right. Leaving it in. <laughs> so listen, you went, let's see, where were we? You, I, I should back up. Because oh, oh, about all the, all the weird jobs and stuff. I had yeah. Had. Yeah. Well, I had, I, when I got the job at DIA, mm-hmm. um, I got that gig specifically because the, the first summer I was, I was in New York mm-hmm. in August when everything shuts down and there's nothing to do and there's no money to be made Yeah, uh, in the art ha- handling realm. They needed somebody to help polish Walter DiMaria's Broken Kilometer in Soho. No. Okay. Which well, I don't know that piece. Uh, that is a gigantic loft space mm-hmm. in Soho, a giant open room. Mm-hmm. And laid out rank and file. I don't know. It's like six or seven rows wide, and then like a hundred and thirty rows deep uh-huh. of 
two-inch diameter, two-meter-long brass rods. Okay, yes, I shiny, did. Shiny, yeah. shiny brass rods. That is cool. And I did see that. You polished those? <laughs> I polished those four summers in a row. Amazing. Yeah, that was the last freelance gig I had before I started working at the Guggenheim full-time. Okay. Was I polished the broken kilometer and passed the baton on to Honor Mosier. Ah, beautiful, beautiful. Because I was number two, mm-hmm. two summers in a row, and then I ran the crew for two summers in a row. Okay, okay. So, but, so go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, but, uh, and then that got me, that's how I met Robert Croker, because he was over there uh, making sure we knew what we were doing. Okay. And then said, hey, you wanted to come do some stuff over here? Mm-hmm. You know, I was eager, and I asked a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. Initially, people tend to be impressed when you ask a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. Later, later, when they get to know me, they wish I'd shut up. No more questions. <laughs> no more questions. <laughs> Stop with the questions. Uh, but... And, um, yeah, no, you have a, you have a, a, a thirst for knowledge. Oh, man. Or, uh, yeah, my wife was always saying, <laughs> good God, how can anything else fit in there? <laughs> well, so, you know, the, you're, yeah, you're reprioritizing your information all, the, all along. Constantly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Constantly. <laughs> You know, and it's like on the weekends when I'm, if I'm just really beat physically, mm-hmm. uh, on the weekends, one of my guilty pleasures mm-hmm. is to to sit around, starting around ten o'clock Sunday morning, uh-huh. is drink red wine and watch Hitler videos Good on cable TV, <laughs> World War Two stuff. Do you know? All, yeah, all stuff that I have. I do not understand. My father's the same way. Mm-hmm. He knows everything there is to know about World War II, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he's a psychologist, not, yeah. you know, not a historian. Not a historian, yeah. And I asked him one time, I said, why is it so endlessly fascinating? Mm-hmm. He goes, I don't know what to tell you. As a psychologist, all I know is guys have been in love with the history of war mm-hmm. forever. Yeah, and uh, there's something compelling about it. Yeah, I'll tell you that uh, I found I found those documentaries. I like them too, and uh, but I I found myself like all the with all the stress, the current political climate, the past three three years or more. Uh, somehow I was able to relax by watching World War Two movies. Yeah, and it's like. I- that's it's it's like it's war it's horrible it's disgusting but it's kind of like you still like them because that's a mistake that we don't want to repeat now i like them because it's a safe way to analyze how people how warring people uh behave and think think, oh man you know absolutely and the thing is is that you you know it's easy to be to be braggadocious about how you're going to behave in a crisis. Yeah, get in one right. and then get put in an impossible. You know, it's yeah. Sophie's choice. You don't I, know. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. That's why I'm always. I mean, 
I'm not afraid of confrontation. Mm -hmm. I kind of like mixing it up with people sometimes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sorry. No, that's okay. But, but, (laughs) but I recognize there's got to be limits Mm -hmm. and, you know, I think it's also really unreasonable to expect people to be heroic and, mm-hmm. and really, you know, it's like all these people who are hoarding stuff mm-hmm. right now for the yeah. coronavirus thing. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, what a bunch of jerks. On the other hand, they're terrified. They want what they right, want. Right, and even right. if it's motivated by the greed of money, mm-hmm. it's like, that's just our nature, man. Yeah. You know, we got to fight against that all the time. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I know. I, I think, yeah, it's like one of those, like you said, yeah, it's a balance because you want to <laughs> survive. You want to win. It's, uh, but then, you know, then, then there's, it, you know, in civilization, it, it, it's best if it's measured so that, you know, you're not causing the suffering of someone else. You know. Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, yeah, the, our current situation definitely puts everything in a very odd uh, light. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and it's... you know, and I'm pretty damn comfortable, so it's easy for me to sit here and intellectualize it mm-hmm. because I'm not terrified. Right, right. It's a good, and I, yeah, which I feel guilty about too. So you know, it's yeah. like no, I think just the awareness that you know, you you. You know what's going on, but you're also aware that you're not um, suffering as others are, you know. Yeah, well, you know, I'm also prone to metacognition, thinking about what I'm thinking about to the point where I'll drive myself insane. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's no good. (laughs) Right, no. (laughs) Yeah, you have to. And, and, uh, you know, I'll say this for our conversation about art handling Mm -hmm. as a profession. Yeah. You know, I had decided in college that I wanted to do, I wanted to pursue my dreams. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was, I had watched other people ahead of me not pursue their dreams and compromise themselves into a regretful, depressed hole. Right, Uh, right. Many of those were college professors that I had in a variety of disciplines. Yeah. And it just seemed like they really wished that they weren't there. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I, I decided, you know what, I'm going to major in whatever the hell I want to major in because, you know, I'm trying to learn to learn. Right, right, right. You know, and the, and the more stuff I can learn, the better off I'll be in the long run. And, you know, and my my dreams were pretty hazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I just wanted to make it in New York, ostensibly yeah. as an artist. But I now recognize that that was super not the that was you know that's what got me in the door that yeah. wasn't what sold me on it because i worked at a pretty i mean I'll, like you we worked at an incredibly elite level in the international contemporary art world yeah 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 we did uh, yeah but <laughs> we got to see how the sausage was yeah, made we were, larry yeah ultimately laborers. yeah 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 and so i got to see the best and the worst of it and the and there was a lot of worst of it, and that mm. worst of it was pretty damn worst. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I was kind of stunned. Yeah. Uh, but in a good way, ultimately, because it was like instead of becoming just bitter and cynical, and not knowing what I went became, on. yeah, yeah, I became enabled and cynical. Right, right, right. You're informed because, like, if you don't go and 
just, well, just like you, I was hopeful that I would be a different type of success, you know, but, uh, yeah. but what, what ultimately happened is I learned some things and had some experiences and I, I can't sit in ignorance and go, well, I should have gone, this painting would have made it in New York. I should have gone, you know, but I didn't, yeah. you, know, you know, or whatever type of excuse I, you know, so I, whatever type of, if I sink into a bitterness, I'll at least be informed. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. And that's what we want. Yeah. Our bit, we want our bitter seniors to be sage about it. That's yeah. what's so important. Yeah. <laughs> Informed bitterness by Larry Ford. But, um, uh, yeah, go ahead. But, the, but art handling as a profession mm-hmm. wound up being awesome for me because I'm a polymath. I mm-hmm. like and am interested and am good at a huge range of stuff stuffs yeah yeah i got a very 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 broad skill set for such a uninformed redneck (laughs) and uh you're informed you're but uh yeah it 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 tapped into all of that stuff Mm -hmm. uh and was really fun and exciting and challenging as hell it was really hard yeah and there's two things i've always loved Mm -hmm. and that's Big time challenges and hard work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you received that. that. Yeah, you definitely received that. That uh, what what because like for instance, like my first. Well, Laura at now remind reminded me that we worked together like right when we were like right brand new babies at the Guggenheim and and uh, but uh, but then soon after I was on the art handling crew. And I like I was so obsessed with making sure I was doing the best possible job. I didn't realize the place wasn't even open yet, you know. But it was just I guess we were gearing up to put the Dan Flavin show yeah. together. So I had the good fortune of being like your first freelancer before the before the place opened. Before the place opened, yeah. So I mean, I yeah. guess. Go ahead. You were you were there for the red, the red jumpsuits. The red jumpsuits, yes, yeah. Which I was going to be a. I wanted to ask about that, and there's a picture of me. Like I wouldn't pose for a lot of pictures, just because I don't know why. But I wish I had now, you know. Yeah. Because I'm like I don't want the memory, you know. But I, I remember seeing way back when, a picture, of me pulling in a rope and helping somehow with that column. Oh hell yeah. Yeah, but uh. I di- I didn't care, and I now I do. I was like, "Where's that? Get my hands on that photo. Look at me, you know, in the in the red suit." <laughs> well, you can uh, you can uh, actually now you could probably really because you know they sell they have all that stuff on file. You can buy any one of those photos. Oh, I mean, no, and this is a memory of a, shut down. You, yeah. With everything shut down, you know, David Heald is uh, he's probably not real busy. Ah, okay. No, I think this is a photo that one somebody else on the crew took, and it was just inside, uh, in somebody's office, you know. So it's probably lost, or who knows? But yeah, I one, will. Yeah, yeah. Rich mentioned that uh, they they that that the whole uh, history was digitized, or yeah, and uh, David took boatloads of photos of the installation of that. I'd be surprised oh. if it wasn't his picture. 
Okay, because cool. At well, time, I wanna, yeah, because I just, at that time, employees weren't supposed to be taking photos, in the, and nobody had a cell okay. phone because they didn't fucking exist. Right. Remember Grandpa? Yeah, I remember that was a long time yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh, okay, remember yeah. Remember landlines? Yeah, that right. They're just a nuisance these days. We finally got rid of ours. Yeah, well, Katrina got rid of ours. Shh, oh, damn, damn. Well, dude. we didn't. That's another. Yeah, we didn't have a phone for. We didn't have landline phone for a year, Amazing. and by that time, we were like, "Why would we want you back?" You, right. You know, we've lived without you just fine. Yeah. What was that? What was the sidebar? What was Katrina like for you? Because that had to be horrible. Uh, you know, in it, in some ways, it sucked Mm -hmm. um it was horribly inconvenient incredibly expensive Mm -hmm. but as i said before i like challenges right and i like really hard stuff so for lisette and i it wound up in a it's ironic and messed up i mean it destroyed people's lives killed three thousand people Mm -hmm. i mean i'm not here to tell you it was good right right. but for us it Mm -hmm. wound up being really fun okay okay yeah because we uh i made uh false credentials um and with the help of kinkos Mm -hmm. they didn't know i don't want kinkos unsuspecting yeah accomplice yeah but with the help of with kinkos assist kinkos (laughs) in texarkana texas so you know (laughs) we're speaking volumes there uh they unwittingly helped me make false um documents to mm-hmm. get back in the city and Lisette and I went back in. Uh-huh. We left our dogs at my mother-in-law's and sneaked back in mm-hmm. and uh basically camped out in our uh one of our apartments mm-hmm. that we had for rental. Right. Uh, we okay. stayed in one of those because it was not flooded. Our mm-hmm. house had been flooded with three feet of water mm-hmm. for um a little over a month. Uh-huh. The water had sat there. Jeez. It was pretty gross. Yeah. And uh and then we just did all kinds of I mean crazy stuff. And uh and as I am wont to do, I figured out a way to monetize it. Right. Because um, we had pickup trucks and there was and what was happening is people were coming back to New Orleans. They were opening up the city by zip codes for the weekends so mm-hmm. people could come in and muck out their houses because mm-hmm. they had FEMA picking up demolition debris on the streets at the time. And yeah. so every Monday, you know, the FEMA crews weren't picking up the, the trash until um, usually sometime around uh, Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So on Mondays and Tuesdays, we drove around and picked up other people's discards uh-huh. and then restored them. And then fast forward, a year and a half, we sold all that stuff. So wow! So you would restore like what somebody would throw out a chest of drawers or something? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Uh, a, a lot of people overreacted, mm-hmm. and insurance companies were being very generous. Sure. And so they just tossed anything and everything if it had touched had been touched by the flood water, oh as God. if it was some. Well, there was a lot of talk going on, you know, nationally about it having been a toxic soup and oh. things like that. And so people were scared. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the first things I learned as a little kid was how mm-hmm. to restore furniture from okay. my parents. Okay. And so 
was that and I collected a ton of high-end uh, furniture. I mean, we know a lot about furniture so because we like furniture yeah. design. And so we picked up a lot of high-end hideous stuff that, you know, like, hand-carved Georgian dining chairs. I mean, okay. to, to me, it's just the most overwrought, you know, uh-huh. Georgian or proto-baroque Okay, stuff. like super gaudy. But yeah. also, a lot of people threw away a ton of modernist mm-hmm. and mid-century modern stuff. Damn. And so we picked it all up and cleaned it and then just sold it out of our driveway. Amazing. Off of Craigslist. So when people are starting up their new apartments, they can just <laughs> go by. Or homes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, that I mean. Enterprising. It, it was very enterprising, and it was also uh, hilarious because for a period of about a year and a half, mm-hmm. if you looked at the uh, Google Earth image of our house, uh-huh. Our driveway, which was huge, mm-hmm. was it, it was big enough to hold six cars easily, uh-huh. two you know two abreast. Oh, shit. Um, okay. It was lined in straight rows, running uh, perpendicular to the street with shelves, all you know metal storage shelves that we had salvaged off the street, uh-huh. and then those shelves were stacked high with all sorts of things. Another thing uh, that people threw away uh, wholesale were electric power tools. Uh-huh. And within certain parameters, those are very easy to restore if they've been flooded. Right. And so, yeah. I so I guess probably, right, as long as it's I probably sold, sold about $12,000 worth of power tools amazing. after Katrina just because. So how do you restore Because like, I knew what to do. Yeah. Huh? So if it's not salt water. Well, it was. It was brackish water. Uh-huh. But the thing is, is if you if if you spray the tool down really thoroughly with uh-huh. a drying solvent uh-huh. and let it sit and then lube it up properly, uh-huh. it can have been flooded. And long as as long as it wasn't plugged in while there was a short there. Ah, uh, right, right. Okay. If you, you know. I see. Okay. Smart. Smart. Dude, good job. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. So listen, you weren't, you were in, wait, when did you leave? Uh, New York? Yeah, New York. When did you leave the Guggenheim? Then when did you leave the city? Or was it the same okay. time? Okay. Uh, what happened, what, specifically what happened with the Guggenheim was Lisette and New York. Lisette had been getting tired of New York. Okay. New York was always my dream. Right, right, and she kind of hitched her wagon to my dream because it seemed fun, uh-huh, uh-huh. and she had loved it initially. But she, you know, and it just happens you, you meet a lot of people up there who get burnt out on it, and she's yeah. pretty introverted, mm-hmm. and having to commute into town, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, she found the subway so unbearable that for the last two years we lived there, mm-hmm. she didn't take the subway to work, uh-huh. and, you know, and she worked at the Guggenheim warehouse over by the Intrepid. Um, you know, the it, aircraft carrier was it the West, the West side or 47th yeah. uh, street. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, she, uh, had been riding her bike from our house in South slope over there and uh, a 45 minute bike ride each way. That's from, from Brooklyn for, to the, 
yeah, across the Brooklyn Bridge and then up the West Side Highway. Wow. Yeah, I wouldn't do that shit. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it was very impressive, you know, and it was great for her heart. Right, right. Uh, But she was doing it. I mean, she was doing it, you know, unless it rained Mm -hmm. hard. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's doing it in the snow and everything because she hated the subway so much. (laughs) And then finally, she just said, look, you can stay. I don't blame you if you want to stay. I know how you like New York. But right. she goes, I gotta go, oh, and I decided that I liked her better than okay. New York. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, and uh, I have missed New York very much, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but have uh, you know made it without New York? Yeah, yeah. You got yeah, you got good stuff now. So, but that oh, yeah. was what. But so, what year was that that you guys made? It um. We moved uh, in 2000. We moved in April of 2001. Okay, a couple months. Before and then the following yeah. September was Blammo. You know, yeah, bad, bad. And uh, we were very, very fortunate because mm-hmm. we had been able to buy a house and renovate it. And then when we moved, we were able to sell it for a bunch of money and all of a sudden we landed in uh new orleans and new orleans was and as far as we were considered was much more minimally impacted than new york Mm -hmm. because i mean i would have lost my job lisette would have lost her job it would have been a whole other universe after 9-11 yeah and you couldn't you couldn't uh sell any real estate there right for months. Right. Okay. So, yeah, you wouldn't have so, been able to make that sale. No. Uh, yeah. And the sale of the real estate and the willingness to move was mm-hmm. what allowed us to move and move right into a situation where, you know, we mm-hmm. had a business, yeah. rental income. Right, and now I've, and we moved again, and the timing was great again because mm-hmm. if we were dependent on our rental income like we had been for the last, 18 years, yeah. we would be screwed oh. right now. Right. So, oh, oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because oh, so New Orleans suspended rent, mm-hmm. which I totally get, you know? Yeah, right, right. But it's like the, the landlord. <laughs> well, right. ultimately, the government needs to make the landlords whole. Right. Right now, the, the government is financing their health care decisions on the backs of yeah. landlords. Yeah, you, you know? laid it out pretty well in that one sentence. Yeah, yeah. and you can't, mm-hmm. you can't, you know, you can't take something of value without, that's why we got a constitution. Mm-hmm. Although mm-hmm. you do know, Larry, that mm-hmm. the president's power is absolute. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, that's what I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. He would like that. Oh, my God. Yeah. I was so proud of that. Uh, that um, I can't remember her name. Oh, I've seen oh, her on oh. NBC a bunch. That yeah. dark-haired uh, woman, um, they're, uh, one of their White House reporters, and she told him, that is not true. Right. Who told you that? Yeah. And when she said, who told you that, Lisette and I burst out laughing because it's, it's, it was like she was scolding a little kid. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Who told you that? Yeah, shame on you, little boy. Yeah, it's yeah. like finally they're, yeah, they're like going, boy. come on. You know, everyone knows better than that. You, yeah, I'm glad they're, yeah, I'm glad they're was, doing that. There's some reporters that are, you know. Well, and there was another one from CBS who was holding his feet to the fire saying, all right, you showed us this video. That's just great. Mm-hmm. But what about February? Mm-hmm. It doesn't say anything about February. Uh-huh. And he kept, you know, it's like saying crap. Yeah, still didn't answer Good the Good Lord. Question. Yeah, yeah. He should just wear a T-shirt that says vote for me on it. Just like, because I'm, I'm the best, you know, or whatever. The yeah, vote vote for me because I kick ass. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so you made, let's see. Uh, but I didn't, I guess I need more Guggenheim, Guggenheim stories, though, before uh, I skip ahead to your, your current life. Guggenheim. Guggenheim stories. Like what? Oh my God, there are so many. Because you managed crews that were always changing. You know, uh, you had you had worked in before the reopening. Yeah, uh, yeah. Before, well, initially, they were wrapping up aspects of the construction. Mm -hmm. So when I first got hired, Mm -hmm. for the first few months. The building wasn't ready. My office wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. They really didn't have in, in the temporary office space they had. They re, there was really no place for me to mm-hmm. have a desk or anything. I remember I, I was hired when you were behind this uh, your own this little homemade desk that you had made. Uh, oh right, my yeah. postmodernist desk made yeah. from crap. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, that was sort of like a postmodernist joke mm-hmm. um cuz i was pretty annoyed cuz mm-hmm. they didn't i mean it, it, i would uh, it anyway yeah. it was <laughs> you it, would... it, it, it was not a smooth transition okay okay uh and not the least of which was because there were all these union construction people working in there right and they had maintained an openly hostile attitude towards the museum staff because the uh, museum was not union. union right. And, oh, my God, you know. That's so ridiculous. That not, not getting at all that they're not making anybody want to be in a union. Right. Being a dick. Yeah, exactly. That's not a good sales. Uh, no. Yeah. I remember you know, when I, the union guy, I, I grabbed it, uh, his ladder at uh, during uh during uh, the Flavin install and I got I got told yeah <laughs> yeah I got told several times too <laughs> yeah but you heard but, a, uh, you know go ahead it, it was you know it was it was an unfortunate situation mm. and and those people make me super angry because you know it's not like unions have had it easy in, in this country anyway, and mm-hmm. then they do the kind of shit that just makes conservatives feel like, well, that's what unions mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Just a racket. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, yeah. don't behave like it's a racket, and no one will you know, believe it. No right. one will think it's a racket. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so let's but, see. Uh, Go ahead. Oh, a memorable but, install or something like installing on the ramps. There's not another building that. Well, the most I, I had told you before. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you had it on tape or not. Yes, I remember. The most the most notable story was when I sh- pulled the whole crew off the floor because Lotar Baumgarten, uh, 
was a he, German conceptualist was uh, yelling at people. Oh, yelling, cussing. I mean, I got nothing against cursing. Yeah, right, Good Lord, right. you know, I'm I'm the granddaddy of mm-hmm. swear words. <laughs> but but you know, when you start making personal, making you know, false accusations, you know, it was Donald Trump country. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. messed up something. Mm-hmm. And the, and everybody around him saw it, and then he tried to accuse one of the art handlers. Oh, that is insane! And in front of everyone, and mm-hmm. he was just sitting there looking at me desperately, like, and I was like, I didn't even want to get into it. Oh, so and he I wanted you him, to take his side and chastise whoever he blamed, or what? Yeah. <laughs> and so I just looked at I looked at the guy mm-hmm. and told him to come with me, and then I whistled and got the attention of the whole crew on mm-hmm. the floor and i said everybody to my you know to the grotto mm-hmm. right now yeah yeah and lotar was like what's going on what's going on and i pointed at him and i just said i'm going to the director's office i'll deal with you when i get back uh-huh. and i went up and krenz was gone so i went and told michael govin what had happened and i mm-hmm. just said we don't have a union here and y'all trade mightily on that you want to get a union let mm-hmm. this shit continue. Mm-hmm. I said, you can fire me. You know, that's your prerogative. If I've way overstepped my bounds, but I don't think it's reasonable to let someone, no matter who they are, belittle and demean people who are doing a professional job mm-hmm. because you're too incompetent and your ego's too big to admit that you made a mistake. Yeah, yeah. And I said, we're going home. Okay. We'll finish this tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You can talk to the artist if you care to. Yeah. And uh, so everybody went home, and Michael went and talked to Lotar. And then the next day, Lotar was just as nice as he could be for the rest of the show. Wow, good deal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that is a, a, it's also a great example for just uh, sticking up for your crew. You know, it's, oh yeah. Well, you know, there's a lot of people who don't or can't do that. Mm -hmm. And it's cause that's just not how they're wired. Mm -hmm. But you know, if you're going to have a boss, I'm the kind of guy you want to have as your boss because my attitude was y'all are all my responsibility. Yeah. So even if you fuck up Mm -hmm. and I know you fucked up, if I know you fucked up because you did something that I was, you know, if, mm-hmm. if I hadn't handled, a, if I knew that you were prone to doing stuff and hadn't fired you already, yeah, it ain't your fault. It's mine. It's, well, yes, yes, excellent point. And I there. always had a real clear view of the chain of command. It's probably because I grew up in a house filled with military people. Okay, because <laughs> my father's family are all yeah, yeah, various branches of the military, but. uh but yeah, and so for me, it was like I was never, ever, ever going to sell anyone out unless they absolutely defied or betrayed me. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you know, I was going to stand as a wall between mm-hmm. y'all and the administration exactly. of the institution and anything else like that. Yeah, yeah I like that. And like, like and, one thing is it's already uh, a high-pressure stress environment where people, I mean, they're tempers get hot and people are yelling anyway yeah you know it's like that you don't people are looking over your shoulder constantly and everybody's got a better idea about how to do it than you Mm -hmm. right right (laughs) and and you know and i'm guilty of all that shit you know i mean i 
maybe I'm kidding myself, but I like to think that in advance of exhibitions as they were coming up, Mm -hmm. I looked at individual works Mm -hmm. and thought about what would be entailed to get them in the building and displayed the way the curators and artists wanted. Mm -hmm. And then when I presented with the crews, you guys, Mm -hmm. with those objects – I gave you the paperwork I had. Mm-hmm. I gave you the suggestion for what I thought ought to be done. Mm-hmm. And then I let y'all do it. And if yeah. y'all thought of some better way, great. Let, yeah, let it be. Right. I just right. don't I, – I, I would like to think – and I might be kidding myself, mm-hmm. Larry, but I don't think I was a control freak boss. I like to think no. that I gave people their, their reins so they could – you know who's going to know better how to do it than the guy who's doing, doing it? it? Yeah, well, that's a good that's a good point. I mean, you, I think, you know, I didn't feel like you were a control freak at all. I think you, uh, it's. Uh, I mean, I wanted to be the anti-control freak, mm-hmm. right? Right. Because I felt like my job during the installation was to run around and fight fires. Yeah, yeah. Now, in mm-hmm. full full disclosure, mm-hmm. since I'm no longer in the career field right right but you know i dropped the ball several times Mm -hmm. i dropped the ball and had forgotten to dot an i or cross a t Mm -hmm. and fortunately i was always resourceful enough to cover my ass Uh really fast Uh and never get busted (laughs) okay yeah yeah well that's probably that's just a common human thing that that's yeah, good job. But yeah. I mean, the most the most serious, bad, really bad screw up on my part was okay. for the Klaus. Klaus and Oldenburg. In hindsight, yeah. it doesn't seem that bad, uh-huh. but for the Klaus Oldenburg retrospective, yeah, he was going to do uh, an installation of his monumental piece, House Ball. Yeah, and House Ball is composed of this aluminum frame that then gets wrapped with sheets of foam rubber. Okay. And then, ha- and then uh, after those are make the ball, mm-hmm. all these various components of a house that are foam <laughs> sculptures he's made are then tied to that ball. Right, right. Well, the, the sculpt, the, the, you know, the chairs and tables and lamps and furniture and stuff from inside the house that are the soft sculptures mm-hmm. – stay with the piece the sheets of foam are changed out every time it's installed oh i forgot to order the foam larry oh terrible they opened they opened the crates and aileen silverman yeah i remember her aileen silverman rosenberg she uh looks at the open crates on the rotunda floor she and i were two two ramps up so that we could see everything because mm-hmm. it's all so big. Yeah. And she looks at me and she goes, so you've ordered the foam? And I went, mm. I got it covered, Aileen. Don't worry. And she just about shit her <laughs> poor britches. Because <laughs> <laughs> I realized I had totally dropped the ball. Yeah. But I also realized instantly that I could cover my ass like you would not believe, yeah. and that is, Lee, I knew that Lisette was off. Ah. I own a pickup truck ah. be- because I am red of the neck. Mm-hmm. I called Lisette at home, and I said, I have fucked up royally. I forgot to get these materials. I need you to take the truck, 
go to Soho Foam and Futon and get X, Y, and Z order. I will call them and have it waiting for you. And I said, and I will pay for them to load it in and on the truck so you don't have to do anything but just stand there. Mm -hmm. Because she really hates to run errands. Uh 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 But (laughs) she did it, and the – she pulled up in the driveway at the Guggenheim, and it was unloaded just like it was an 18-wheeler filled with precious objects. Wow. And, uh, and then yeah. I got my money back from Petty Cash. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that story. That's a, yeah. And it's like you can't – you. Um, it's awesome that you're in New York City because there's like – a specialty. there's a store for everything, you know. Oh, my God. It's like – well, go to the foam store. <laughs> oh, I was, I have to tell you, I was crestfallen and dumbstruck mm-hmm. when I got to New Orleans uh, from New York. Right. Because it's not like that. No. Not at all. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, in the wee years of Amazon. And mm-hmm. so mail ordering stuff wasn't quite as taken for granted as it is now yeah Yeah. Yeah. and that was one thing that just spoiled the crap out of me in new york you can move to new york and the cost of living is very high for Mm -hmm. certain things Mm -hmm. but most stuff i mean the kind of stuff that you know that i'm into which Mm -hmm. is not consumer goods but you know hardware materials all that stuff Yeah. It's cheaper. Yes, that's right. And it's just like there. It's available. There's a, there's a place for it, you know. Yeah. And and I love the fact that you can go, you know, I was so spoiled. And now the location I'm in now, mm-hmm. was part of the reason I chose this location was so that I can once again be spoiled by mm-hmm. an embarrassment of riches of materials and services. Uh-huh. <laughs> And unfortunately, you just got to live in a place with a million people or more to get that. Right, right. Yeah. Or be in a major transportation hub. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, this place is both. But, okay, perfect. But yeah, New York will spoil you for that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Sure did. It's like, and you could, you know, you, you could walk there most likely. Or, you oh, know, yeah. Whatever, almost whatever it is. Uh, let's... So a uh, little like uh, technical, uh, do you, what was your heart? Cause everyone had a different way of dealing with the ramps, like installing on the decline of a yeah. ramp. Cause the apron walls were a shape. The floors were a shape. The, the wall behind the apron wall was a shape. Yeah. Everything, everything is a, uh, a different angle. Mm-hmm. And I mean the the basic system that had gotten developed when I showed up on the scene mm-hmm. was where you the the you got the lower end centered and then hung the high end and it's always been a variation of one side or the other is the center line and then mm-hmm. just visually level it because. Ah, see, so it was, was eye- thing that drove eyeballing it off. It was off level, but it was eyeballed <laughs> to look good, right? That was yeah, the, because, yeah, yeah. because That's people, you know, Wixen, yeah. Wixen in his day, you know, that guy is so undersung by that mm-hmm. institution. He's a, you know, it's sad before, 
before Wixon dies at his house on Martha's Vineyard, I <laughs> hope they somebody comes in and taps his brain because he knows more about the Guggenheim's permanent collection than anybody, but maybe uh, Lisa Dennison. Really? Okay. Well, I'll, yeah. I'll call him up and tap his brain then. Oh, definitely, definitely, definitely. Because, <laughs> I mean, you know, and and he's. I always thought that he was the greatest boss ever, uh-huh. and it's Super because, nice yeah. And the thing is, is that you know he's got quirks and and flaws mm-hmm. like all of us, but he was willing to work around all of ours, and mm-hmm. he 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 would. I mean, you know, I got my ass chewed by him. Mm-hmm. Probably not as often as I deserve because I'm, you know, I'm a, as Charlie Murphy says, I'm a habitual line stepper over. Uh, I'm a habitual line stepper and I got, you know, and he had to hit me on the nose with a wet newspaper more than once. Uh, keep you, get you back in line. Yeah. <laughs> Funny. But, you know, he was always in my corner, mm-hmm. even when he was getting down on me and he mm-hmm. didn't look you know he was he really knew my weaknesses so mm-hmm. he'd check up with me about stuff to find out if i had taken care of things that i was responsible for mm-hmm. that he knew that were the sort of things that i would because we all he knew my quirks right, and there were certain right. things i hated to deal with mm-hmm. more than likely because they involve some people at the institution that i may not have a terrific relationship mm-hmm. with yeah but uh so. Yeah, he, I thought he was a great boss. Uh, you know, he was at the Guggenheim for 20-something years, and then he went on to uh, the uh, New York Historical Society. Yeah. Is he still there? Uh, no, he's he is 100,000% totally retired now. Retired he's way older maker. than you. Yeah. Yeah, he's way older than you would think because mm-hmm. he looks super youthful. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's also a runner. Long mm. lifelong, not uh, a health fanatic, but just mm-hmm. healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a history of heart issues, so he's always. His father died in his fifties, so. Mm-hmm. You mean his family? <laughs> I always has... tell Scott he's on borrowed time. Oh, jeez. Yeah, he got he, but he hasn't personally had the heart issues, right? No, just that no. it's in the family. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, I, I mean, he's had you know genetic factors like mm-hmm. cholesterol and stuff mm-hmm. in spite of his, I mean, I always used to infuriate him because mm-hmm. of my love of dairy and my <laughs> occasional, my once or twice a week consumption of a pint of half and half with lunch used to just flip him out. You know what? Because if that he did that, he flips died. me out. Yeah, that flips me oh, out. Oh, well, I love, I drink heavy cream. <laughs> I love it. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was tasty, you know. Look, Jack, I am (laughs) totally for the enslavement of dairy cattle for the rest of my foreseeable future. Okay. Well, do you you still drink heavy cream once a week, or are you... uh, No. No. Oh, I mean, God, I did that in in no small part just Mm -hmm. to to fuck with Wixen and... uh, Well, not just Scott, but Mm -hmm. also... um, Walker and um, Cullinane were pretty health conscious, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it definitely uh, blew some minds. Which is, I I don't know why I got to poke that tiger's cage, Larry, mm-hmm. but I just got to. Yeah. I just got to. And you're naked. That goes with your stepping over the line 
stuff. Oh yeah, the habitual line stepper thing. <laughs> I uh, yeah, it's a weakness. What can mm, I say? That's right. It's a, you know, that's one of your your uh, character uh, accents. There we go. That's good. <laughs> I would call some would call it flaw. Okay. Character flaw. <laughs> well, the, you know, and uh, I was going to. Th- I was trying to think if there's enough. There are some other good stories. Mm-hmm. I'll th- I will think of them and make a note. Yeah. That I can tell you later. Okay, that's beautiful. Yeah, oh, but, I want to uh, hear the story of the, the 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 origin of the red coveralls because there was I'm nostalgic about them now, but I remember there was a lot of oh know, a lot of complaining. Flack. Yeah, yeah. Well, there was a lot of complaining because mm-hmm. a lot of people felt like it was a uniform, and they didn't like uniform. Yeah, yeah. because they were rugged individualist artists, mm-hmm. modernist artists. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I kept trying to say to people, uh, let's pretend that you're not Robert Rauschenberg. Let's pretend that you're Piello della Francesca Mm -hmm. and I'm the one commissioning the artwork. So you're going to do what I say (laughs) and and you can show how you feel about it through Mm -hmm. your interpretation of what I say. Okay. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of. What had to happen? What what the deal was? The entire security staff was brand new. Uh-huh. They didn't know who was what. Right. They needed a way to identify people other than just a badge. And of course, I'm so stupid. I'm thinking, oh, all these art handling people, most of whom I did not know super ultra well. Mm-hmm. A few of them I had been working with for a month or two mm-hmm. prior to the the start mm-hmm. uh, at the warehouse, and I had hired a few of them, Guy, Dennis, uh, and James. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I needed a way to identify people that was, A, something that could be seen from a distance, and B, wasn't something that just anybody could get. Because mm-hmm. at first it was like T-shirts, right, right. And then security was like anybody can have a T-shirt that color. You know, that's not an. And okay. then I thought, okay, the whole jumpsuit. Yeah. And <laughs> all my genius employees, with mm-hmm. the exception, I mean, Guy Walker got lit instantly, and he kept wearing the j- jumpsuit for several years. You mean he loved it, or he? He liked it, oh, yeah, okay. because those the red jumpsuit mm-hmm. was was the signature of all of Joseph Boy's assistants. Whenever really? he installed an exhibit anywhere, his he brought his own crew ah. and they were all young German art conceptual artists and painters also, mm-hmm. but they wore red jumpsuits Amazing. for security purposes. Ah. And so I got the the red SRGM jumpsuits and then caught a ton of flack about it. Mm-hmm. And just one more situation where it doesn't matter how hard you try. No, you can't. You can't please. Can't please everybody. You can't please mm-hmm. more than four or five artists at any one time. Mm-hmm. That's just no. how it works. <laughs> That's just it. But we wore them for a couple shows, like that. We wore them for Flavin, and we wore them for uh, for the Russia show. Yeah, which was yeah. And then <laughs> what happened was is that as they started to get filthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with paint all over them and stuff, mm-hmm. is that it just became untenable to keep them up, and mm-hmm. people hated them, and security was knowing people by that time, and uh, so things had worked out. Mm-hmm. So it was an eventuality, mm-hmm. and it worked out well. Yeah, that was a good transitional thing, because like, yeah, because I remember uh, 
when I uh, first started, I did not have my red jumpsuit, and I had been sent to, to do something, and I was, you know, running around the building, finding my way, and uh, I was confronted by uh, the head conservator guy, and he was like, who are you? You know, and I was, and I was like, well, you know, I had a, I was, at the time, I was like, well, he, this guy's got a lot of nerve asking who I am, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, that would be Paul Schwartzbaum. Yes, and, and I didn't know and, who he was at the time. Yeah, and that would just be his imperious nature. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I was all of a sudden in trouble with this guy, you know. So. Uh, and at the same time, you're wondering, who the hell is he? Yeah. Just I'm just a guy trying to do my job. Yeah, I didn't have. I don't know. I don't know if I, I must have had a name tag on though, right? Oh. Yeah. Well, we had IDs and tags, yeah. but nothing was ever good enough for Paul. Uh, yeah. There's personalities. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, the, I'm trying to think. The last show I worked on mm-hmm. was Matthew Barney. Okay. And Matthew Matthew Barney. Oh no, I'm sorry. I had that was all preliminary stuff. The last show I worked on was Armani. Okay. Yeah, that was the last thing. And and uh yeah, once Lizette decided to quit the Guggenheim because mm-hmm. she couldn't handle it anymore, mm-hmm. then I was just like, screw this. Mm-hmm. And it it didn't take me any time to just say the heck with it. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, it was one of those situations where I loved the job, right? But right. there were personalities that had gotten hired that were above me mm-hmm. that just were making it untenable. Mm-mm. And it's like, you know, and if I wasn't going to enjoy it, you know, it's like it was. I was yeah. tired of trying to make nice, nice with these people who just would not be pleased. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when Marianne Hogue told me, she's like, don't you get it? You know, you're in charge of the cool kids. Mm-hmm. So these people hate yeah. you, you know, cause they're, they were, they're nerds now cause they mm-hmm. were nerds growing up yeah. and they're never going to like you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, fuck, then they can't have me. That's right. Yeah. You, you, and you have the power to, to call in a whole army of freaking uh, quote unquote friends whenever you want. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, yeah. It's so it is like, that's like, they should not have been intimidated or freaked out. They should have just been part of it. But, like, yeah, politics spoils everything. It's like, well, you know, it can make shit too. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and early on when the museum was reopening, you know, it was sort of like there were no rules. Mm hmm. So my my attitude was push everything to the limit, mm-hmm. so that if they once they start clamping down, you still have some flexibility. Oh well, that's a good yeah, that's pretty good philosophy. And when I say say that, I'm not I am not just talking about as far as the execution of my job, right. which was very important to me mm-hmm. because I wanted to have. I wanted it to be as easy as humanly possible mm-hmm. to do the impossible shit that we did. Yeah, yeah. But I also wanted to be able to have fun. Right. So I did things like worked overtime to make sure that the guys in security mm-hmm. and in maintenance, mm-hmm. you know, the guards and the janitors, Yeah. those guys work their butts off. Sure they do. 
yeah. with no glamour attached to it at all, you mm-hmm. know? So to no. me, it was like, I always wanted to make sure they got included in our parties mm-hmm. and that I was always on good terms with them. Mm-hmm. And it was because I wanted to do things like if my mom and dad came to New York City, they might think it was really cool to have tea on the roof of the Guggenheim Rotunda. Sure, sure they would. So guess what? (laughs) My old southern mom got to have tea on the roof of the Guggenheim Rotunda. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Overlooking Central Park. Mm Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, and I made a point of taking visitors up there so Mm -hmm. they could have the view over Central Park and Fifth Avenue. Yeah, you know, I, I got I wound up getting tapped to do a lot of VIP tours uh-huh. between exhibitions ah. because I was always happy to do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so I, you know, people love basically it was like if they were nice, mm-hmm. I'd take them to the roof. Ah. If they were not nice. Beautiful. No roof for you. <laughs> Funny. Subsequently, mm-hmm. I've had I've gotten to know friends of friends mm-hmm. and and without a without fault i was like was i in a good mood when i met you mm-hmm. yes uh, did i take you to the roof of the guggenheim <laughs> yes and i was like oh good, good. <laughs> I, like, I don't i don't ever remember not doing it but mm-hmm. i can be petty you know right, I, right. And, but uh and i try to block that shit out mm. so. i think the first time i was up there was was you and some of the full-time freelancers at the end of the day we drank a budweiser yeah, that, that was something that had never happened uh, before me at the museum, uh-huh. and I tried to institute it pretty regularly, which was to, uh, you know, have a drink at the end of the day mm-hmm. um, when things were really tough, you mm-hmm. know, because we worked crazy hours. Oh, yeah. and stuff. It was insane hours and a lot of a lot of running and, around. It wasn't easy yeah, to get a lot, from one place to fizz- another either. Place. Yeah, I mean the. The grueling nature of it was just amazing. And mm-hmm. to me, what's even more amazing is that that's still how it operates. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I did a lot of traveling for the museum. Oh, the, and, there oh, yeah. is no, and there is no other institution I've ever been to that operates like that. It's, it's basically, it's part and parcel for what happens when you don't have a proper endowment. Okay. Oh, oh. You, you're, you're dependent on visitor revenue right because you haven't beat the bushes you hadn't you know hadn't made the rain i see i see so were you in charge of the the crew at bilbao when when the when it was time to open the bilbao spain uh no no i wouldn't go that far Mm -hmm. no i i worked in bilbao okay um i worked in bilbao for a couple of years before the museum there opened i Mm -hmm. i because the Guggenheim was doing collaborative stuff with them even before the groundbreaking. But okay. I went there when the site just had a sign and hadn't even had the demolition done yet ah. to install some stuff at a, a, a Kunst house there, you know, mm-hmm. a, an alternative space. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then a bunch of the old, you know, older, you know, modern master stuff. They had a big exhibit at the, the old Bilbao Museum, mm-hmm. which is a you know small, stodgy, I guess you'd call it a, a, a 
totally eclectic collection, kind of like the Met. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, and so I got to see all the phases of the whole thing and then work a number of a bunch of shows over there. I mean, I still have friends there that I stay in touch with. Mm -hmm. Um, Actually, it's people in Bilbao that I got to know. Nobody attached to the museum in any way, shape or form, which is odd. Funny. Yeah. Well, I went fishing a bunch when I was in Bilbao, and so because I'm a right, you're a out, avid sportsman, avid outdoorsman. Yeah. yeah. But where did you go f- fishing? Santander, right near Bilbao, mm-hmm. is uh, is really famous for the fly fishing that you can do uh, from the surf there. Okay. And so I, w- I would uh, take a bus over there. Okay. It's not far. You know, it's like 40 minute bus ride and go over there and surf cast. And that same area is real popular internationally as a surfing beach. And so there's a lot of people from Australia and New Zealand and the United States, uh-huh. Germany, France, they're surfing uh-huh. and oh. fishing. So it kind <laughs> of winds up. It's it's funny. There's this weird <laughs> crossover. Um, Sounds although like in the Europe, potential for some some uh, conflict. No, 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 everybody, you know, they're in different parts of the beach okay. in proximity, but, mm-hmm. you know, they can see each other, but they don't, there's right, no problem. Right. No but, hopes, uh, right. yeah, okay. But, uh, yeah, I, I, but I would, I ran crews for certain exhibits, mm-hmm. but I, I, I was not in charge of the overall crew for the installation. Okay. That was sort of mayhemic because... I was doing stuff in New York and then did not get over to Bill Bow till they had been working on the installation for a month when okay. I got there, uh-huh. the opening installation. Mm-hmm. And it was still just, you know, a panicked mess. Mm-hmm. And plus mm-hmm. all these American art handlers who were running the Spanish crews were Uh-oh. getting sick. Oh, because something in Bill the... Ba- Water Bill Bow's the... water still was not meeting EU standards. Okay. And it's the kind of thing where if you're from there, mm-hmm. those you're amoebas in. are not going to bother you. Right, right. But if you're not from there. Oh, crap. Yeah. Did you end up getting sick? Uh, I never, nah, I never did get sick okay. there like that. I never got, you know, the classic amoebic dysentery kind of response, but mm-hmm. a lot of people did. I, mm-hmm. I have made a point of drinking water. I probably shouldn't my mm-hmm. whole life <laughs> in all kinds of places. Okay. Uh, and I think that I've just, Lisette says it's because I'm so unpleasant. No uh, organism will live inside. Well, to, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's sweet. She well, might. I don't get, you know, I don't get <laughs> sick often. Right. When I lived right. in New York, I got strep throat twice a year. And that was strictly due to not getting enough sleep because I worked Mm -hmm. at the Guggenheim. Yep. Yep. And as soon as I quit that job, I quit getting strapped to road. Got healthy. Yeah, 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 yeah. That makes a difference. It's kind of shocking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, well, I will try. I'll try to think of a few more stories because, I mean, there are some some war stories. uh, You know, it's like, oh, are we – we really need to – relive the installation of that flavin column because mm-hmm. you know when the last segment went, was to go on uh-huh. it turns out it was 
uh, like eight inches too long. Oh, and so finally we just said fuck it and Mm -hmm. cut it off with a sawzall, and that was it. Amazing. Well, but then you got bulbs to fit it, right? Wait. Yeah, we put the we loaded it up with the bulbs Mm -hmm. as it was installed. Okay. And then you know, and you know, we tested it each time to Mm -hmm. make sure everything lit up as it was going up. Uh And then when when it was finally done, Uh it worked. Beautiful. You know that the emergency cutoff of the Mm -hmm. bottom, Mm -hmm. and then attaching it to the plate bolted to the floor, Uh and it worked. Ah. It got plugged in and it functioned, and it was a. A miracle. Good, that is beautiful. So you didn't have to get like bulbs that were a different length. The the, the no, the, okay. no, they were standard length. Okay. They were just pink. Uh huh. Exactly. Which was oh, hard to come by. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, originally, and it's interesting that that installation was a classic example of how the uh, art installers can influence the artist because mm-hmm. originally Flavin had wanted that tower. Mm-hmm. To just be four-sided and very narrow. He, you know, he wanted it one oh. each side to be one fluorescent fixture width. That's ah. it. So, which is like I don't know, five inches wide mm-hmm. tops. It sounds like it so. It been was going to be the, and it would have been this. The problem was, yeah. it was too fragile at that diameter. Uh-huh. There was no way to make it stiff enough to where it wouldn't bend under its own weight uh, so right. it wasn't going to make a straight line mm-hmm. that you makes know sense. you're going to yeah. see any flaw in the connection was yeah. going to make it be irregular mm-hmm. and so they finally figured the our guys mm-hmm. finally figured out that the, you know having it so that it was whatever the diameter was mm-hmm. 16 inches or whatever and mm-hmm. had the and then had the whatever number i can't remember the number of fixtures bolted to the outside of that mm-hmm. aluminum tube at least would maintain its integrity. Or 12 or so. So, yeah. so the artist changed his vision radically to mm-hmm. accommodate us. God. And and that was kind of cool. That is cool. It, 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 I think it was, uh, it was more impressive to be a lo- a larger. Oh, hell yeah. Because yeah. if you could have seen the concept drawings mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that Flavin did, yeah. it looked like somebody had... It looked like a Fred. I don't know if you know Fred Sandback's work. He's mm-hmm. a minimalist sculptor who works with string. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> his work works with string mm-hmm. because a lo- most times it's a bunch of string. Mm-hmm. This looked like A's shoelace stretched mm-hmm. from the rotunda floor to the top, and it was. Mm-hmm. It didn't have any sort of presence. Right. Right. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you about your. Okay, you got a new life. Where you guys uh, build, you buy houses and fix them up and move out, move on, or yeah. is it, has that just happened by accident? Or, well, what happened was is I already had a background in constructiony stuff okay. by the time I got to New York, right, right? And I had done a lot of construction work as side jobs mm-hmm. to make extra money, yeah, and. Because I was always hustling. Mm-hmm. I'd be all the time hustling, hustling. Smart, smart kid. Innovative. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, Lizette had to reimagine what she wanted to do when we left New York. And she wanted to be an architect. 
Okay. And she damn sure wasn't going to architecture school because uh. as far as she was concerned, that was for suckers. We had tons of friends who were architects. Uh-huh. And, and we knew how, how, how good they had it. Mm-hmm. Not. Okay. So, all right. You know, because my experience with all my friends who are architects, mm-hmm. they either do gangbusters because they're working for a massive firm mm-hmm. or they've hustled their ass oh, off to build their own practice or they starve. Yeah. yeah and yeah. most – Starve. It's yeah. like being a, it's a like visual being an artist. artist. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, unless you go to work for you know some sort of commercial racket. Yeah, you're two you're, hotel rooms you know, or, or office yeah. buildings, right? Yeah, that is correct. So, <laughs> oh. so, um, so yeah, and uh, she just decided, okay, I want to be an architect, mm-hmm. and you know she studied architecture history extensively. Mm-hmm. Anytime she traveled for the Guggenheim, she always used the fact that she was in Europe uh, or Asia or wherever right. to uh, extend the trip so mm-hmm. that she could go look at architecture in different uh, places, you know. Smart. And uh, and then she and I, uh, when we travel together in Europe, it has always been uh, exclusively to go check out architecture. Uh, amazing. So you guys are running out around yeah. taking notes and yeah. I'm yeah. Cause we, you know, we really like it. Yeah. I mean, for us, it's like looking at a museum mm-hmm. made out of a house. It's Thank a fo- you. It's a form of art. Hey, Lizette. You're so generous. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> One of the construction crew just uh, brought me a Burger King breakfast. Wow. That's sweet. Good yes, deal. it is. Yeah, they got to <gasps> keep you buttered Ooh. up. It's a cookie. And I don't know cookies and an egg. Uh, I don't know. I'll check it out. But uh, <laughs> awesome, dude. But anyway, Lizette wanted to be an architect, mm-hmm. and she knew about architecture. And I mean, and you know, I told you those stories because yeah. I mean, she really did. She wasn't just kidding herself, right? Right. And so she started messing with several programs mm-hmm. to be able to draw on the computer, so mm-hmm. she could make blueprints. Figured all that stuff out and started doing it. Started the first project she did was she bought a vacant lot and built a house from scratch. Hey. And, and her the signature of the projects she's done is that she collects salvaged windows and doors uh-huh. so that she can make contemporary houses that have a whole lot of antique features yeah. that complement the design and the neighborhood. Yeah. I love that. Where we were living in new Orleans mm-hmm. is, you know, 90% of the housing stock was mid 19th century or earlier. Yeah. So, you know, there's a style of architecture called Austin modern. That's very boxy and very contemporary mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. uses stucco and, uh, corrugated yeah. metal as siding mm-hmm. and they it's in Austin and in the northern parts of San Antonio where I live now mm-hmm. and they've just jammed those super contemporary houses right in the middle of neighborhoods of bungalows or Victorian homes it looks and, weird. and it's yeah and I love the style of architecture sure, I sure. think they're great looking mm-hmm. buildings Mm-hmm. They just look weird where they jam them. Yeah, and yeah. Lizette wasn't trying to design houses that looked old. Mm-hmm. 
they were just supposed to respect old. Right, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. They 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 exist in harmony with the the neighboring houses. Yes. Beautiful. And y'all, you, you told me before that you guys are allowing for uh, studio space for each of you in this in this house that you're making now. Yeah, yeah. It's it's studio rich. Uh, what does that mean? We have an outdoor studio, uh-huh. which is a you know a corrugated metal barn mm-hmm. that's about seven hundred oh, square of that. feet. Yeah, on the Facebook, the concrete yeah. floor mm-hmm. for woodworking, metalwork, ceramics, and then we have an indoor studio that is that two of us will share for drawing and painting, mm-hmm. and it's about the same size. That is awesome. And then there's an attic studio. That's about 600 square feet Jeez. for whatever's left over. Okay, now I'm jealous. <laughs> yeah. So it's, yeah, well, don't be too jealous because how many people do you know who have tricked out studio space and don't use them? They're not working in them. Right, right. Uh, yeah, I hear you. Yeah, that's, I, yeah, I built myself a little studio in the back and it's, I need to, uh, now that I've got time on my hands, I have to clean it out and make it uh functional <laughs> so, yeah. yeah i do have i do have my own sounds familiar yeah yeah <laughs> been done that, yeah not a not an original uh situation this has been an awesome talk and i know you're going to eat your breakfast now but i want but i will i'm, I'm gonna have to call you back and talk more because i also want to have talk more about your your artwork and uh, and whatever other projects you might be sure working on in the future yeah um i'm i'm looking forward to that i am i am actually planning on uh focusing my efforts um in 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 two new directions for me which is i I mean for recently Mm -hmm. is i'm gonna work on doing paintings Okay, which I've yeah. never done. I've done painting sporadically, but I've never really applied myself to. I am a painter, and I'm just going to make paintings for a while and right, see where right. it goes. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I want to do that mm-hmm. in a much more disciplined kind of way, mm-hmm. and I want to start making some ceramics. Yeah, because I miss working in clay a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just talked to Julie Knight, uh, Chris's wife, and she's like, she's teaching ceramics and 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 really like 100 percent into it. Where's she teaching? She's at a place called Greenwich House. Oh, yeah. yeah. Greenwich House Pottery. Yeah, yeah. And That's they have a little famous. studio living space up upstate. Right. So. I've seen uh, – he was involved with uh, Facebook for about two minutes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I, saw, uh, I saw their upstate place there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then I – think he decided facebook was too much yeah yeah he's i think he's had i haven't had a conversation with him about it but i think he's one of those people who's had a turbulent relationship because i have love hate you know i decided to go full on because it just suits my nature but i still have a you know love hate kind of distrust of it you know no i i I get it i uh i mean my thing is i i just there's anything that comes up through Facebook that I find really annoying or mm-hmm. offensive, mm-hmm. I report it. Yeah. 
yeah. And then and make sure I don't I set it up so I'm not less likely to get it again and it again. move right. on. Move on. Carry, yeah, exactly. That's my style too. Well, I like the fact that you can, you know, totally unfriend people, mm-hmm. and and I like the fact that people can unfriend you and mm-hmm. you don't even know it. Right. 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 Yeah, I just yeah. found out somebody I'd known for 30 years unfriended me <laughs> because Facebook recommended that we become friends. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I'm like, wait a second, I thought we were friends. Mm-hmm. Oh, you unfriended me. Mm-hmm. And I and I know why. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're friends of mine from New York who mm-hmm. were when I knew them, they were super liberal. Mm-hmm. They became rich and became super conservative. <laughs> yeah. They were affected by and the as somebody, mm-hmm. as somebody who's made the same trajectory through mm-hmm. different means, mm-hmm. I reject that outlook on yeah. life wholeheartedly. Joe, thank I mean, you. this guy was yeah. a good buddy of mine, worked yeah. for the Village Voice, uh-huh. and now he's a Trumper. Oh, that is weird. That's a mm-hmm. strange, yeah, something more than money had to have. The way he, yeah. no, really? it was money. Really? The way he said it, explained it to me mm-hmm. was, now that I've got something, I want to keep it. Uh, he just becomes one of the people who wants to protect, doesn't want to share. Yeah, that's horrible. Exactly. Oh. I have kids, and I want what I have mm-hmm. for my children and mm-hmm. no one else. Right, right. And yeah. if anyone's going to be charitable, it'll be me or the church. Right, right. Mine is just grotesque. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Well, listen, this has been an awesome conversation, sir. Oh, back at you, man. Yeah. I... You know, I called you after I heard your interview with Rob mm-hmm. because it was awesome. And then I saw Wixon's commentary on mm-hmm. it, how much he enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, and let me tell you, uh-huh. you need to, you really need to consider interviewing Robert Croker. Oh, yeah. Somebody needs to get some of his shit down on tape mm-hmm. before it's lost. Because yeah. he he was in contact with what is the first, I mean, he worked firsthand with the first generation of modern art handlers, uh, conservators, registrars. I mean, he was on the tail end of the invention of that whole industry. And so he knows stories and tales way beyond the shit I know. Okay. I will get him, uh, I will get him on here because he... I don't think he remembers me because he didn't accept my uh, friend request, but uh, but I will. I'll reach out to him. Like, send me, shoot me a text to mm-hmm. remind me. Uh huh. And I will uh, send Croker a message mm-hmm. to to be on the lookout for a for a, a message from you. Okay. Cool. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, because. Yeah, yeah. uh, He's a good guy, and so are you. And yeah. I, you know, he's entertaining as shit. He talks yeah. more than me. No, I know. I yeah, I remember. Yeah, I, I we uh, let's see a group called um, um, uh, Athens, Athens, uh, Art Rocks Athens, uh, on yeah. him with a a show or something, and he came. Yeah. And, yeah. So I met him then. Yeah. Good guy. So, yeah, he's a fucking character yeah. and a half. Yeah, amazing. I'm gonna get him. Get him on the phone. Get him on the horn. Yeah, dude. All right, dude. All right. Well, it's so great talking to you again. Great talking to you too. And uh, and and I'll be in touch. Yeah. All right. All right, dude. We'll do it again. 
All right, thank you. Sure, thank you. Talk to you soon. Tell your wife, hey, and pet the little doggy for me. I sure will. Okay. Bye, buddy. Bye. See ya. Well, Joe has invited us out to San Antonio to visit after this whole thing blows over. I might just take him up on it. Thanks, Joe. He and his wife work for themselves these days, renovating old houses. They seem to be doing okay. Though, like the rest of us, their activities are limited. I have so many more questions for Joe. I'm sure I'll be giving him a call back soon. But until I do, I am Larry Fort. Thank you for listening to Limited Perspective. See you next time.